0: On today's episode of the Wave Podcast, we have the Orioles are playing baseball. Baseball games are happening. Orioles spring training is officially underway. We're talking about it all. We're talking about guys who look good. Corbin Burns making his debut in orange. Adley Rutschman took his first at-bat deep in spring training. Colton Kowser is off to a hot spring. Kobe Mayo is looking good. We're talking about these guys who we think we should keep an eye on over the next couple weeks and some surprise picks that we think might end up making the opening day roster. Jackson Holiday getting a ton of opportunities. He looks good defensively. Kyle Bradish is starting to get healthy and throw again. Things are looking up for the Orioles, and we are super excited for baseball season, getting ready to start right around the corner. We're also talking a little bit of college basketball. Court storming has been in the streets over the last couple days. Kyle Filipowski got hurt after Wake Forest stormed once they beat Duke this week. Uh, We're giving our thoughts. We're talking about why we think uh, court storming should or shouldn't be allowed in college athletics and really where we stand on the matter. We're also talking football. The NFL announced this week that the salary cap will be increasing to two hundred and fifty five million. Shout out to Taylor Swift. Uh, Obviously, this helps the Ravens in a big way. We talk about what this means for the Ravens and how this might change their approach to free agency and the draft. Speaking of the draft, the combine starts today. Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh are talking to the media from Indy. John Harbaugh didn't really have much to say. Eric DaCosta did have a lot to say. We're talking about what Eric DaCosta said, what we took away from it, and also what we ultimately think is going to be the vision heading into the draft and free agency for the Ravens. You guys know how much I love the draft, how much I love the combine. I dip my toes into the waters on my favorite prospects and some guys that I think we should all be on the lookout for in Indy this week and who I think would be really good in purple and black. Thank you all for tuning in. Here we go, episode 94. I
1: can't lie, I'm into you. I can't
0: Welcome back to the Wave Podcast. Today is Thursday, February 29th, 2024. Happy Leap Day to everybody. Um, I was just talking to my dad earlier today about how wild the concept of a leap year and a leap day is. Just absolutely makes no sense. Uh, Time is fake. We live in a – time is a flat circle. It's not real. Um, Shout out to Interstellar and Christopher Nolan. But anyway, Josh, how you doing, man? How you been? I'm doing well. I miss football so much. Um <laughs> me too.
1: It's sad. Like I thought I'd be good for a while with it being like one of the longest football seasons of my life. And literally two weeks removed from moving this Super Bowl, maybe two and a half. I'm like, okay, what am I doing with my Sundays now? Like I I like this is what my weekends look like without like football. I'm playing D D again for some reason. Yeah. Um, don't know why. I'm playing D D again. It's awesome. I'm oh, yeah. counting down the dates to my next EDM show. And I am just waiting for football watching rewatching Game of Thrones and Shogun on FX. So I'm I'm struggling. I need football
0: desperately. <laughs> I've heard Shogun is good. Is it good? First episode in is kind of it's kind of gnarly. So I've I I was scrolling on Twitter and like 80% of my Twitter was Dune 2 stuff and the other like 20% was all people talking about Shogun. Everybody says it's crazy. So I might I might give it a shot um no i am also desperately missing football and like you i thought i was very much accepting of the fact that like okay cool it it was a really long season and obviously it didn't end the way that we wanted it to and i was pretty distraught over that so maybe it'll be good to be you know a little bit removed from it and now i am i'm trying to trying to get into the combine i'm trying to get into the draft and free agency as that's you know getting ready to come up but I'm just like, dude, give me football. I want to be watching football. I don't care what football I'm watching. I just want to be watching football. Um, I'm going to try and get into the XFL as much as one can. I don't know how well that's going to go. Um, I, I do know a guy that's playing in that league, though. Um, shout out Damon Lloyd. He's playing for the team in, I want to say, either Orlando or Tampa. One of those two teams. Uh, he's a Bel Air guy went to John Carroll. So shout out to him. Might actually try to get him on the pod at some point. But let's do it. Yeah, that would be sweet. But I'm going to try and watch that just because it'll be football, but other than that, yeah, I'm with you, dude. I was so desperate for something to do this weekend that I literally started watching Love is Blind on Netflix. Um I'm not a reality TV guy, so I don't know why, but that's just kind of where my Sunday took me. And yeah, all that to say, I need football back. Um we have baseball. Baseball's getting ready to start, which will hopefully, yeah. you know, get us through the summer. But yep. fuck, man. I'm a, I miss football.
1: Dude, uh, college basketball's been fun. Well, mm-hmm. my teams have not been doing so well, but college basketball's been interesting nationally. Um, I know I watched the uh, I watched Houston play a couple times this week there in Spain. Yep. I've been trying Houston's to keep awesome. an eye on their they're fun. I've been trying to keep an eye on UNC Charlotte. One of my good friends worked there, maybe they're on the pod. Um, yep. Their teams, I've talked to you about this this weekend. That's a fun team to watch going into March. This is a very good in major report. Highly recommend UNC Charlotte. The American as a whole has a lot of good teams, I think. Uh, people are complaining about the Mountain West not getting enough attention, so here's your Mountain West attention. <laughs> um, yeah, college basketball fun right now, unless you're a Maryland fan. Um, and I watch Wake Forest. Yeah, it's rough right now. We're down 10 as we speak to Northwestern. But. Um, I watched the Wake Forest game, and I uh, – yeah, that was a great atmosphere. Shout out to Wake Forest. Love Winston-Salem. Hell, yeah, it was. I respect Wake Forest a lot. Got some friends that work down there. They beat okay. Duke. So, great game. I'm going to watch what I say just because, you know, I'm <laughs> on the market right now. But uh, interesting thing happened at the end of that game, and I'm sure you want to see that off. So.
0: Yeah, no, that's a perfect segue. Um So, everybody who listens to the show, or at least most people that listen to the show, probably know that I love college basketball. Um, and it's a pretty like new thing for me, uh, not new. I'll say like a recent love that I found. Uh, I started because, uh, when I first got into like sports betting, football was really the only thing I was betting on because it was the sport that I followed closest. So I was like, okay, might as well, you know, I'm going to be watching all these games. I'll have some betting. I'll have some action on them. And then when football ended, it was probably like 2019 or 2020. Uh, I was like, okay, now what? and i just like started watching college basketball because it was between the super bowl ending and baseball starting and by betting on college basketball i fell in love with college basketball it's so much fun to watch it's like i i honestly like i love just basketball in general but maybe it's because maryland or or baltimore doesn't have an nba team and like the regular season of the nba is so up and down with load management and you don't know who's playing when college basketball is Everything that I wish the NBA was where it was just like, you know, who's, you know, the starting five, you know, who's going to be rolling out every, you know, twice a week or whenever, however often these guys play. And also like you get that college football aspect of it where it's like the rowdy crowds and, you know, the cult followings and, you know, like Kansas, obviously Kansas has other sports, but like Kansas is a great atmosphere to watch a basketball game or to play a basketball game. And like, you know, just little stuff like that, that, you know, you mix in the, the college football aspect of it. I fell in love with college basketball. Um I haven't gotten super into it to know the players and the storylines and all going into the tournament. Like you said, I know Houston is really good and they play incredible defense. They are very fun to watch if you like hard-nosed basketball. Um Alabama is kind of on the other side of that spectrum. They don't play defense and they love to shoot threes and play fast. They are really f- fun to watch if you like up-tempo basketball. Uh I watched that game against Kentucky that they played on Saturday. I think they, I think the total was like 200 or something. Like there were so many points put up in that game. It was awesome. Um, But yeah, that Wake Forest and Duke game might've been the best game on Saturday. I also watched it. I had Wake Forest minus two and a half. Shout out to Wake Forest for covering. Um, And uh, I know it's, it's been a topic of conversation over the last few days, but Wake Forest stormed the court and I have never had an issue with storming the court. I've never had an issue with in football, college football, people storming the field. I think it's fun. And like, I think that is one of the great differentiators between professional sports and college sports. You know, so many people want to sit on their high horse, especially now in the days of NIL saying, you know, these guys are still amateurs. They're still college kids. They're still students. In my opinion, this is a perfect example of why the game is different. You don't get that in the NBA, right? The NBA, they're professionals. Anybody can beat anybody on any given day. Same thing with the NFL in college. Like, yeah, Wake Forest was a two and a half point favorite, but Duke is Duke. Duke is a a blue chip, a blue blood in college basketball. And that was a really big game. Two teams that are probably going to be in the tournament. The game probably is going to mean a lot when it comes to selection Sunday. Like I, it was a very like, you know, contentious environment and Wake Forest's fans wanted to celebrate that. I have no issue with that. Obviously things happen, and Kyle Filipowski quote unquote gets hurt. Um, Turns out he's fine, which shocker. Um, (laughs) But uh, you know, a lot of people were getting takes off that storming the court should be banned. And I just flat out disagree. Um, Now I will say this. I think there should be some sort of unwritten rule when it comes to storming the court, like fans don't mess with the players on the other team. The players don't mess with the fans. Like the fans are there to have a good time and celebrate the win. And, you know, we shouldn't have to worry about guys getting trampled or pushed or whatever. Again, say what you want about Kyle Filipowski and whatever part he played in it. I'm just saying neither the fans nor the players should put any other party in a situation like that. But all that to say, I wholeheartedly disagree with the notion that corp storming should be banned. It's a great time. Big cat on part of my take talks about it all the time. It's one of his fondest memories from when he was at Wisconsin. And I think that like, I genuinely think that should be considered as a part of college athletics. It is as much for, you know, the students and the fans and all the kids that are there taking part in it as it is the players. Um, But anyway, Josh, I know you are particularly close to college athletics
1: a little bit what you do do for a living so
0: you tell me how you think man give me give me your thoughts like just from a from the standpoint of like somebody who's a fan of college sports but also somebody who you know is in the business
1: yeah i i'm going to try to get my expertise as i can at my job um I love, I mean, honestly, like you said, I love college basketball. I've been a college basketball fan since I was born. I remember going to Cole House in like 2001 or 2002, watching the Terps play. I remember watching games at the XNU Center. Like, I, I love college basketball. I love the environment. I love the student section, always have, always will. I love the energy they bring to a game. It is, college sports is uniquely different from any other environment I've ever seen in my life. Um, 100%. Not to say it's better or worse. I think it's better than a lot. Than a lot. I think college sports fans are honestly the best fans in the world, at least in North America. The only thing you can say rivals it is, like, European soccer. 100%. Absolutely. Global soccer outside of America. I think it's the only thing that rivals college sports fans. So I love everything to do with it. I love the pageantry, and I think we lose a lot of that with, um, you know, NIL and, like, you know, the ever-changing landscape of college football and basketball, Mm -hmm. which I've just accepted at this point I'm okay with. However, I don't think court storming should ever change. Things could be done better to protect players. The court storming mm-hmm. should never be taken out. You mentioned it as like your fond- like it's literally some of my fondest moments as like a like a fan. I remember, I can legit remember every time I've like stormed the field or stormed the court, and yeah, just to highlight some of them, because we did it a little bit more often. than I would like to have like, <laughs> like I know that sounds weird to say some games I don't think we should have just because it wasn't that big of a game, but I remember doing it my freshman year versus our like who was our rival at the time Coastal Carolina in a Thursday night football game, first game I think on national TV for us. On like TV, we stormed the field after a big win. Uh, we did it. Um, we did it during uh, the championship, the conference championship in basketball for the uh, in 2020 when we, we won a championship at home, blew it out last game at Old Arena. Like the place was packed. I mean, like eight, like 18,000 people there, and we got on the field. And like the security said, "Hey, like we're gonna let you do this. Just make sure no one gets hurt. And like don't." Right. Like, just basically, like, hey, we're gonna let you don't do be a this. Jerk. So Don't be a jerk. Don't hurt players and, like, just be organized and don't, like, don't get hurt. Don't be stupid. We're like, okay, yeah, that's totally acceptable. So we stormed. That was awesome. And we thought we were gonna go to a Sweet 16 run. to this crazy thing called COVID hit. Um, <laughs> still not over that championship. I, I literally think we would have been, we would have played Duke in the Sweet 16,
0: honestly, in DC. I, dude, I believe it.
1: I believe that's it. That's how, that's how good that team was. And that's, anyway, I digress. And then you asked me as a, like, just as a worker, we did it this past year when Liberty won an Aces on championship. I say we, but they did it when they really? won the on championship. They they got like the like not the, not the okay, but fans were like, hey, we're not we're not getting we're not leaving this field, and um, they were like, we're, there's nothing you can do to stop us. Again, security was very smart about it. Uh, made sure players didn't get hurt. They even blocked off like the benches and stuff like that so people didn't get hurt. And like it was an awesome moment. And I say that because like those are things that makes college like football like so much better. Um. Yeah. And we also did last year during the BYU game, which was one of the biggest games in school history. That was also crazy. But I'm going to go back to the championship game real quick. Um, just, It's a special moment. You don't go on a college football field often, unless you're G and you just walk on a college football field for your TikTok page. <laughs> um, but the normal everyday person doesn't get to go on a college football field very often. And those moments are special. They mean a lot for your family. And I'll share one story real quick because I know I'm kind of going on a diatribe about it. I um no, please. I remember I was on the field after this, 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 the USA game. I'm trying to meet with coworkers, and this lady and her mom come up to me and it's like, "Hey, like, can you take a picture with us? Like, can you take a picture of us?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure. Like, no big deal. Like, that's all you know." She goes, "Like, the mom goes, like, hey, I just got diagnosed with cancer. I'm gonna kick this butt, but like, I don't even care about all that. Like, this is one of the best nights I've had in a very long time. And like, just say a prayer for me. We're gonna be okay. And like, this is gonna be like an awesome, like, an awesome moment. Like, this is an awesome moment. I just want to remember it." And, like like yeah ab- absolutely so i take the picture give her a hug like hey like we're praying for you you'll, you'll beat this thing like you got this but like moments like that yes. don't happen in any other like sporting event other than college athletes. right just because you want to take that away because of one incident where a guy like gets hurt because of like a bad security issue doesn't mean that this is an unsafe or, uh like a bad thing um i'm not gonna blame i'm not gonna blame kyle for like getting hurt, although I do think he could have avoided things a little bit better than he did. Yeah, uh, <laughs> But, like, wh- the only knock I have about Labisai is, like, where's the security team to help usher the Duke team out of there and make sure everyone's safe? Because you yeah. know that they're going to storm. Why not rope it? Like, you've seen this before, too. Like, rope it off. Like, make a barrier oh, yeah. around the benches and get them to the tunnel as fast as possible. And then you can go about it. As, you can just go about your business. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't know why that wasn't in place, especially since you have it. You knew how, like, that game was like best game it, like sold out probably seven years something like that like I just don't understand why they didn't prepare better for that from like a worker standpoint an industry standpoint but I I, I have no problems with scoring the field I absolutely love it and I encourage it done safely so
0: yeah and you know like I said I completely agree with everything that you said and you know the story about the woman that you met on the field like that's just in my opinion I think that's a microcosm of why college athletics are like you said not better, not worse, just different. And that's one of the things that makes it different from professional athletics. Like you get those moments and you know, for, for a school like Liberty, you know, you guys win your conference championship and you know, the fans of, there aren't many other things going on in Lynchburg, Virginia, other than (laughs) Liberty athletics, right? Like absolutely not. No. And it gets, it gets overlooked because you know, you have other places like, you know, Alabama and, Iowa and you know Nebraska like big schools like that that have huge football and basketball and whatever else programs Iowa with college basketball you know talking about the court storming thing Caitlin Clark had that incident earlier in the season it gets overlooked but like schools like Liberty where not only is it the only thing that's really going on in that town or in that area it's also like much smaller than an Alabama or an Iowa or a Nebraska Right. right so like you know, the people that are there students or just, you know, local townies alike, they care that much more. So for something like that to happen where, you know, they get to storm the field or, you know, you storm the court, whatever it is like, that's what is so beautiful about college athletics. And that's why I am wholeheartedly against banning court storming and field storming, because, you know, I think safety should absolutely be the top priority. And, and if, it consistently happens where players are getting hurt Then, Yeah. I think there probably is a conversation that needs to be had, unfortunately, but you know, like you said, from a worker standpoint, there needs to be protocols in place to where, Hey, we recognize what's going on here. And you know, with a minute left in the game, like let's prepare ourselves and let's get ready for what could potentially happen in 60 seconds. Like have a, have a little bit of self-awareness and make sure that, you know, you can provide that environment, but also, make sure everybody stays healthy. So that's kind of where I stand on it. Yeah. I would really hate to see it, especially in college basketball, because you know, college football is huge. College right. basketball is also huge in its own right, but smaller arenas, more of an intimate setting. So I feel like that kind of gets magnified, but it also is kind of cooler because you're on the court and yeah. you're just tighter with everybody. So it's it, I I would just hate to see it, you know, gone away with because of the Kyle Filipowski and Caitlin Clark situations. I just, I I think it would be such a detriment to college basketball and, you know, college athletics as a whole, if it moves into other sports, but it, it, I just, it, it it really is to me, one of the things that makes college athletics great.
1: It's, it's awesome. And it's funny. The only schools I see really complaining about it are like the bigger schools. It's like the Dukes or like, right. The Kentucky, like the Kentucky AD says some crazy stuff about like protocols, like oh, to yeah. that you don't still record. And then like, it's like those type of schools, like the blue bloods, they don't, they don't, they don't get it because they are used. They are conditioned to winning. It's like, we are with the Ravens. Like they're not exactly 100%. The games, right? they're, they're conditioned to win. It's like the other schools who like struggle a little bit, like the Maryland's or like they have some, like, like it matters. Like Texas Tech football. I think it's Texas Tech football when Crabtree like scored that touchdown yes. the last second yes. all them were on the field or this more fruit, i think this past year um granted Texas tech fans can get a little bit crazy um i love them but they can get a little crazy with throwing things in the field and other things they say but um that's just college athletics they care like it's loving texas like they're gonna they're gonna show a little bit more uh, like passion than people you know sometimes maybe in Austin or something like that so right it's it's different i love it i pro course i just keep people safe
0: that's all i got to say I, I matched that statement. I couldn't agree more, but anyway, I felt like we should probably give our takes on that because we are both fans of college basketball and it's been, you know, the, the conversation has been hot in the streets lately. So if anybody was uh, wondering where we stood on the matter, there's your answer. Um, all right. So moving away from college sports, let's talk some pro sports Um, before we get into the Ravens. I feel like we have a little bit of Raven stuff to get into this week. I know we talked about how we're missing football and maybe that's why, but uh, the Orioles are officially playing baseball games. Uh, the first game was on Saturday this weekend. Spring training is underway. Um, and the Orioles look pretty freaking good. Uh, they, I think they've only lost once, and they've played like four or five games to this point. Um, obviously, it's spring training, and the games really don't mean anything. You're more so just trying to get eyes on some guys. But um, for the most part, I've I, I've loved what I've seen from the Orioles. Have you gotten a chance to watch any? Or are you just I what's haven't on just media?
1: work I'm just seeing what's on social media. I saw the throughout the Jackson holiday. That was amazing. That got me used up for the season. I say That was crazy. Starter. Um <laughs> but yeah, I haven't really been able to I haven't really been able to lock in just yet just because Mass weird and right. the games are on at a weird time. But um Corbin Burns looks like he's playing a little bit like not he's been pitching and he's been dealing yep. well as much as you can this spring. Uh, Kyle Bradish looks healthier, it seems mm-hmm. like so I'm I'm very excited
0: for opening day. Yeah, man. Uh, Corbin Burns looked phenomenal on Saturday. I know he only threw the one inning, but struck out two. Uh, velocity was up. Looks really good. I'm super pumped to see him hitting the ground running with our guys. Looks like he and Adley are working really well together. So, I mean, that's everything that you could want from those two. Kyle Bradish, uh, Brandon Hyde gave us some good news on him. Um, said he's progressing well. He's getting healthier. Uh, I saw a video today of him throwing. Uh, he was doing some like. I think they said it was 90 foot just thrown on flat ground, which is great. Um, And, you know, I think they're going to be really careful with him as we talked with, uh, with uh, Zach last week about, but if we, if we get him back at any point in the first half of the season, that's honestly, it's icing on the cake. In my opinion, Um, I think they're going to be really careful with him and not try to rush him back before the all-star break. I think that's kind of what they have circled for him is like when they want to get him back um, I feel like they just they're taking the approach like we can at least stay alive and, you know, win more games than we should have to until he gets back. Uh, and then when he gets back, if he's if he's 100 percent, you know, you have him and Burns at the top of your rotation. Grayson in the middle. John Means will hopefully be healthy by then. And I mean, who who knows? You could have you could have a fifth starter go anywhere between Dean Kramer to Cole Irvin who looked phenomenal on Sunday out of nowhere, was touching 96, 97 with his fastball movement was up. Like Cole Irvin clearly put in work in the offseason, which is a great thing to hear. Um, or, you know, we could be looking at a situation where one of these young guys like Seth Johnson or Cade Povich are in a position to push the, uh, the starting rotation. I, I think, honestly, I think it's not a bunch of sexy names, but I think the, the rotation has, Guys that are going to be more than sufficient. Um, and I am I'm, I'm honestly really excited about it. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Like the Orioles with pitchers are a lot like the Ravens with wide receivers. Like we've really never had a, a comedy of riches when it comes to that position. And now we're sitting in a position where, you know, you have a lot of really good talent there. So uh, you know, knock on wood. Hopefully everybody can stay healthy and and you know, we can avoid any major injuries there. But so far, so good in spring training. I'll say that much. Um Adley in his first at bat on Saturday hit a home run. That was cool to see swing still there. Adley still got it. Um, you mentioned that, that throw to Jackson holiday uh, where he got the runner stealing. The throw was okay. Short hopped them a little bit, but Jackson holidays glove work, man. I, I don't know about you. Me is like a baseball nerd that, that got me all hot and bothered. <laughs> that was, that was a hell of a play by him. And uh, Jackson, I, we haven't gotten a ton of chances to watch just because the games aren't really being televised much. Um, defensively, it looks like he's really good offensively. I think he's struggling a little bit, which I mean, the kid's 20 years old. So how much can you expect from him? Right. I still, I still do believe he's got a shot at making the opening day roster. Now we went out and signed Colton Wong to a minor league deal. He's a veteran left-handed bat second baseman. Um, I think as of right now it's probably the most likely scenario that he is the starter on opening day at that position. But like I said, we have a long we have a long spring left. We have another month until opening day. So I'm I'm certainly not ruling Jackson out. And what I love about how Hyde and Elias are approaching spring training is like they're getting Jackson as many opportunities as possible. Like I genuinely think they want him to be ready come opening day. He's He's been hitting leadoff. He's been playing more often than not, getting starts. So it's very clear that they're putting him in prime situations to get opportunities. Um, and honestly, at this point, that's all you could ask for. So I'm happy to see that. Um, outside of those guys that we just mentioned, there are a few guys that I am just going to throw out there that I think we should look out for over the next couple of weeks as spring training continues to go on. Um. So the first guy, not a not a you know hot take here by any means, but Colton Kowser is off to a phenomenal start in spring training. I think it was the game on Saturday, the first game of spring training where he hit the walk off home run. But a lot of people are talking about how good he looks and how comfortable he looks in the in the batter's box. He's his timing. Everybody says is much better. His swing is much more confident, which I think was his biggest issue last year. He just wasn't really confident in himself at the plate. So if he's going to be confident, he's going to be swinging it like he is now. I honestly like that's best case scenario. Here are his stats so far through sh- spring training: ten plate appearances. He's got three hits, three walks, two home runs, five RBIs, one hit by pitch, and a two twenty or excuse me, twenty two hundred OPS. A twenty two hundred OPS is insane. Like that's yeah. unheard of. That's Obviously, enough. he's only got he's got ten plate appearances, but he is certainly a guy that can. flat out he can earn a earn a spot on the opening day roster if he continues to light it up in spring training he will be on the opening day roster and i think that's great just gives us more depth in the outfield left-handed bat really good glove he's a great fielder um and that really it takes the pressure off needing heston kerstad to play the field which he's not great at
1: (laughs) Um, right
0: but no colton Kowser is tearing it up in the spring so far another name everybody knows this guy kobe mayo is having a great spring training um what stood out to me as i've kind of been following the team over the last couple of weeks or week, I guess um, if I've ever seen a swing that is going to translate at the major league level, it's Kobe Mayo's. And that's saying something because he's a right-hander and obviously Camden yards is now not the most right-handed friendly, but just watching this kid take batting practice and watching how fluid he is and how uh, quick he is to the baseball, his, his movements are, completely intentional there's no wasted movement with his swing i am so impressed with what i've seen from him and i feel like we've been talking about him forever he's 21 years old i just found this out today yeah kobe mayo is 21 years old
1: when did he get drafted again
0: um i want to say he was drafted in 2020 he might have been okay. he, I, th- I think he i think he was drafted right out of high school okay
1: um
0: i could be wrong though it might have been 21 but anyway he uh He's definitely a guy where I would not be surprised if we saw him as an Oriole very early on in the season. Um, Some other guys, I mentioned them here. Seth Johnson and Cade Povich are, I believe, the top two pitching prospects that we have in the minor leagues right now. Neither of them are going to start uh, the year in the major leagues, and that's okay, but they were both acquired in trades last year. I forget which deals. I think uh, – sorry, not last year. The year before is when we got them. Cade Povich was acquired in the – um Jorge Lopez trade to Minnesota. I know that for a fact, which is also the same trade that we got in Kano. cano, but I don't remember where we got Seth Johnson. Either way, both of them have looked really good in spring training. The, the, the velocity looks good. Cade Povich is a lefty, which is huge for us. Um, Seth Johnson, like they're both young. They both can throw really hard. They've got good stuff. I'm really looking forward to seeing them, uh, play a little bit more. This other pitching prospect is a guy who I literally have never heard of until Sunday or Monday of this week. Wanderson Charles. Some people who are listening know who that was or recognize the name. Some people are like me a couple days ago saying, who the fuck is that? Um, me now. <laughs> so, I, I don't know, know
1: signed, who that is.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I don't even know where we got him from. I believe we signed him from the Dominican Republic, but I'm not sure if that's the case. I might be wrong there. Anyway, um he's a guy where like he's been in our system for a while Um, and he just really hasn't done much, but this off season he got in the lab and he was working with our scouts and our pitching coaches. Um, I think I saw a graphic this week where he's thrown like nine or 10 pitches over 97 miles an hour, like real live bullpen arm. Um, I don't know what their plan is for him. I really haven't heard him talk a bunch about him. It was really like, like I said, I just found out about this guy like two days ago but he's definitely a guy to watch, uh, throughout the spring because our bullpen is still a bit of a question mark, especially the back half. Uh, he could, he could be a guy that we end up seeing at some point this season and, and maybe becomes like the Yanir Cano of this season. Uh, last name, a lot of people know this guy, Samuel Basayo. Um, he was in Aberdeen I believe for most of the year last year, he's a catching prospect. I believe he cracked the top 50 in MLB prospects. Um, Josh, I don't think it's an exaggeration when I say he will be a top 20 prospect in baseball by the end of the season. Like he is that good. I have a buddy who works up in Aberdeen, and he said last year when he was 18 years old, 18 or 19 years old, he was like 6'3", 175, 185, and like routinely putting balls out during batting practice like it was nothing in the off season, apparently he put on like 30 pounds of muscle or 20 pounds of muscle, like put on weight and is filling out the frame. He's a left-handed bat, massive dude. Um, yeah, he's going to be a top 20 prospect if not top 10 by the end of the season, mark my words. Samuel Basayo is a name to remember, for sure. Is he,
1: is he going to be back in Aberdeen this year or like I don't Bowie? know where if
0: I were to if I were to guess he'll he'll either start in Aberdeen and then very quickly get moved up to Bowie or he'll start in Bowie. I I'm leaning towards him starting in Bowie just because he was in Aberdeen for most of the year last year. And honestly, I I don't remember but he might have been pulled up to Bowie, Bowie by the end of the season. Um regardless, he I, I think he'll be in Norfolk by the end of the year. Like, I I really like this kid is a freak. He is so big. He's so quick to the ball. And apparently, like, defensively, he's really good behind the plate. So keep an eye out for that guy. Um, I, I'm very excited for the Orioles. We've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks. Um, there's still some potential free agent signings that are out there. Blake Snell has not signed with the team yet. Uh, Jordan Montgomery has not signed with the team yet. Cody Bellinger, I was hoping we were going to at least make a run at him, but he re-signed with the Cubs. So, you know, that dream's gone. At least he got but, Hank's uh, list. What's that? At least he got Hank's full Patriot list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got Hank's full Patriot's list. Um, but, no, so I'm, I I think uh, Elias is still, you know, poking around a little bit. I would love to see him go out and get a Blake Snell on, like, a two-year deal with an opt-out after the first, kind of similar to what Bellinger did. yeah. But hey man, we're rocking and rolling. Baseball is underway. We're almost there. I'm gonna throw a name out
1: there. And I know we talked about it off air, so I don't know if you want to talk about it on air.
0: Go uh, ahead. Let rip. How do we feel about Trevor Bauer? So I'm glad you brought it up. I was very much okay with the notion of the Orioles signing Trevor Bauer. I I know, you know, people have the the off the field and the personality stuff about him. I I don't really get annoyed by that. I some people do, and that's fine. Um However, there was a video of him pitching to Marty Mush in a hit tracks machine, and Marty got two hits off of him in I think like eight at bats. And at yeah. that point, I was like, you know what, maybe we're good on Trevor Power.
1: Yeah, if Marty Mush is getting making contact with you, it's not looking great. I like he was like, I, if he's cleared of all legal wrongdoing yeah. and stuff, I'm not one to get on a moral high horse. pick. I don't want that guy for my team. Hundred percent. But like, yeah, that was like the most scathing thing that I saw of him in the last couple of weeks. That Marty Mush is uh is um is getting hits off of you. That's concerning. Like this is the same Marty Mush that was like, I don't know. Just, yeah, I just I I like Marty. I just can't.
0: I just can't. I, 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 I love I love Marty. I love Marty. I think he does a lot of great stuff with barstool. Marty also played. I'm pretty sure he played Division One baseball. So Did he really. It's not, yeah, I know he played college baseball. It was either D1 or D2. um so it's not like he's you know never picked up a bat before, but you know, at the same time, somebody who's trying to you know get back into major league baseball, i they should probably be doing better against Marty mush in a cage. I'll say that much, but yeah, before that I was like, yeah, sure, why not? like you know, low risk, high reward in my opinion, but
1: yeah, he's an arm and he's a proven arm, so right'd be like, I do think Blake snow would be a better option. I just don't
0: know what the price is 100 percent. Yeah, and like honestly, I don't know what the holdup is. Like he he's coming off a Cy Young season. And that's right, it's February 29th, and he's still unsigned. Like, I know a lot of people have conspiracy theories about the league, like trying to stick it to Scott Boris, which I'm not gonna rule that out. But if I was sitting in Mike Elias's seat, and shout out to Andy Kellum because he brought this up to me the other day, actually. If I'm I'm if I'm Michael. And I know that two of my top prospects, Gunner Henderson and Jackson Holiday, are both Scott Boris clients. Why not? Why not? You know, put an olive branch out there and say, "Hey, yeah. I'll I'll sign your guy. I'll give him a fair deal. I'll give you the opt out after one year if you want to take a bite next year again." And you remember that in two or three years when we're talking about Gunner and Jackson.
1: Me now, we're talking about him them two now because okay right. <laughs> I am okay with extending them now. I am okay with extending those guys now. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's but, actually a really good point by Kellum.
0: Yeah. 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 It was, it was honestly Orioles, like, I, I haven't had the best, best relationship in the last 10 years or so. Right. Exactly. So yeah. like, I, I don't know. I'm, I, if Blake Snell doesn't start the season on a roster, not even as an Orioles fan, just as a baseball fan, that's a disservice to the game. Like the guy, the guy is coming off in a, a, a Cy Young season. He deserves to be starting on opening day somewhere, just flat out There, yeah. there are there is at least one team in the major leagues that could use his services.
1: Yep. Not in the um, division. I'm good.
0: Yeah. Just not in the AL East. If it's not the Orioles, um, we mentioned Colton Wong signing to a minor league deal. We also signed Julio Tehran to a minor league deal. I, I don't really have much on these. It's they're both old vets. Um, Tehran bullpen depth. Um, he's been around the block. He's a vet, low risk, high reward. Same thing with Colton Wong. Colton Wong to me, is this year's Adam Frazier? He's not going to blow you away by any means, but he's a vet. He's been around the block. He's played for a number of different teams, uh, had some success in the Bigs, left handed bat. Um, cool. You know, he's not going to be a focal point of our team by any means, but hopefully he can help some young guys. And if if that's all he brings to the plate, then I think that's fine.
1: Yeah, I don't know who any of these guys are. So I, hope <laughs> another- <laughs>
0: I just straight up don't know who those guys are. <laughs>
1: But I agree with you. They're bet They can like give us something. I'm cool with that.
0: Yeah. And that's honestly, I think that's all that might either that or Mike Elias is just straight up addicted to signing veteran left-handed hitting second baseman, which could be the case.
1: <laughs> Maybe. Um,
0: <laughs> all right. So that's, a, that's about it on the Orioles. Uh, as spring training progresses, I'm sure we'll have more to talk about with them, but now let's talk about some Ravens. Um, there was a bit of NFL news in the in the headlines this week and circulating around uh, Twitter. Just because, you know, that is the NFL NFL is king. The first thing has doesn't necessarily have to do solely with the Orioles that I wanted to talk about. Or Orioles Ravens um, it has to do with the whole NFL salary caps going up. And this is just another feather in the cap of Roger Goodell for growing the game and doing what he is do- doing to the NFL It is increasing to I think it was two hundred and fifty five million, um, and there was a dude. There was a graphic going around that I saw where it had the salary cap each year for the last thirty years, and I I forget what it was in nineteen ninety four, but I I don't even think it was like over a hundred million. Like I I genuinely think it was like fifty million in ninety four, and honestly, it might have even been lower than that, um, but the salary cap going up is huge just for the league because I mean, more money is only going to be a good thing for the league. And also the Ravens were not necessarily going to be in a great cap situation with the projected cap numbers. Uh, I think it's like eight or 8 million, either eight or 10 million higher than what people were expecting. So extra room for the Ravens is great. Um, and I personally would just like to take this moment to say thank you, Taylor Swift, for putting the Ravens in a better salary cap situation.
1: I also like to thank Taylor Swift for bringing a lot of new eyes to the NFL and selling more merchandise, even though is Travis, Travis Kelsey, uh Stanley Cups. And you know what? If it helps the Ravens out, I'm okay with it. Anything to help the Ravens, I'm for it.
0: Cool. Yeah, me too. Taylor Swift, you're all right by my book. Now we just need to yeah. uh, we need we need to push the agenda of Mark Andrews dating Lady Gaga and grow that salary cap even more.
1: I'm cool with Mark Andrews' current girlfriend, like as far as like the one he's dating now, because she did put him in a, a like a cryobiotic chamber to get him back. Oh, that's
0: right. I I, I forgot he had a girlfriend. Yeah, I was so just going out, off of the tweets. So shout out Mark Andrews for
1: dating the girl with who had a cryobiotic chamber. I don't know how that happened, but cool. Oh, what you don't have one of those? No, sadly, <laughs> I don't have mine. In my you know whatever square foot apartment in Lynchburg, Virginia, but you know what? Maybe next time I'll get a cryobot. I don't even know what that thing does. dude.
0: But, um, I, when I read that, I was like, why do you have that? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, are you actively trying to like a grow a Goku in your basement? Yeah. Like, why do you have that? Yeah. This, this, you no, know, you know, normal
1: everyday impulse buy, you know, uh, fuzzy socks, chocolate, you know, cryobot.
0: Yeah. do Stanley cup biotic chamber you know all the usual stuff you buy on, complete you completely know. normal things yeah um, so but okay so maybe it's not maybe it's not Mark Andrews maybe it's Isaiah likely or <laughs> hey Lamar you know I don't know what Lamar's personal life is like but maybe we get Lamar in the in the public eye a little bit you know
1: all right hear me out franchise tag Patrick Queens resign be gay franchise tag Patrick Queen Do a leap. there we go
0: do I Lipa. am on board for that. I am totally <laughs> one thousand percent on board for that.
1: I can't name any Dua Lipa songs, but if she becomes like a Ravens wag, I'm gonna be a Dua Lipa fan.
0: I'm already a Dua Lipa Dua Lipa fan for probably some obvious reasons that people yeah. can guess. But yeah, um, I know. I know Marlo was trying uh, was trying to holler at Zendaya a few years ago. That didn't work out very well. Yeah, um, w- one of these has got to stick. One of these, it's got to come through at some point. Does Marlo have a girl? I think Marlo might have a girl now. I think he does. I think he's, I I know he's been, he's been doing a a bunch of stuff traveling. I know he was just in Canada at a a hockey game or something. Of course he was. Yeah. Marlo's a weird cat.
1: Uh, Marlo,
0: possibly come on the show, Marlo? Yeah. Marlo, come on the pod. We'll, we'll, we'll do a, uh, we'll do a crossover with Punchline podcast. I'd be Um, down to do that. Uh, (laughs) There's has to be some, there has to be Isaiah likely and, um, oh God, who's the girl from Euphoria? Long girl. Cindy Sweeney. Sydney Sweeney, also on board for that. Big fan of Sydney Sweeney as well. She's I'm a very also talented
1: actress. She, she very much is. Great job, with Euphoria, and everything else she's in, that, which I'm blanking on.
0: Yeah. she, uh, she was just in Madam Webb. I know that for her. Yeah. She's in the Nun movie and she's in um anyone but you with yeah. uh with the guy from Top Gun. Yes, sure. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> See, we still yeah. actresses. We can survive without football. Yeah, look at us. We're we're well adjusted members of society. <laughs> uh, oh. uh, but anyway, so salary cap's going up. That's great. Thanks, Taylor Swift. Um, starting today, if you're listening to this on Thursday, the NFL Combine, I know it's crazy to think about because it feels like it's so early. Um, but the Combine's starting today. Uh, anybody who was going through last off season with us, anybody who's been around since then, first of all, I love you. Um, you guys know that I love the Combine, or excuse me, I love the draft, and the Combine is really just, just like, letting us know that the draft is coming up um hand up i have not done a ton of research yet on the draft Uh, i will be doing that over the coming weeks um i'm i'm for real though i'm i'm gonna get even more into the draft this year than i was last year i'm toying with the idea of putting out a couple iterations of mock drafts and getting on my mel shit. um however i do have a bunch of prospects that i currently have my eye on both for the Ravens and just in general, that'll come in a little bit. Um, but anyway, the draft is starting this week, all the coaches, all the GMs, all the scouts, they're all out in Indy this week. Um, and that's notable because uh, Eric DeCasa and John Harbaugh addressed the media on what was that Monday or Tuesday? Yeah. Monday, Monday, uh, John Harbaugh. I didn't really take a ton away from what he said. Granted, I didn't watch all of his address, but, um, But basically, what I got from Harbaugh was that it it, like just a lot of coach speak. Um, He's happy about the coaches that we hired. He's really excited about the direction that the team is going, you know, blah, blah, blah. There was one thing, though, that I took away from what Harbaugh said. And I know a lot of people were reacting negatively to this. And I guess rightfully so. Kind of, you know, just looking at it on paper, not the best headline. But. Harbaugh had a quote where he said, we want to do right by Lamar and finally build the offense around him and for him. Um, Now, like I said, not a great quote, uh, considering this guy has two MVPs and he's going into year seven. And clearly he's been a franchise quarterback for a while now. And you're just starting to build the offense around him. I understand that. However, I look at it like this. Um, The Ravens were... Undoubtedly, one of if not the best team in the NFL last year, pre-championship round of the playoffs. They were thirteen and four. They were a top ten offense by all, basically all metrics, um, the the metrics that matter at least. Running the ball, putting up points, didn't really turn the ball over a ton. Obviously, they didn't have the passing numbers that some teams did, but you know it's whatever. Um what I took away from this quote specifically was that they weren't satisfied with how the offense looked. Um, and look, we've talked about the AFC championship game at length. We don't have to get into that again, but um, as good as the offense was, it really like this tells me that they have a vision and it's very different and they think it can be much better. And if our offense that we had last year, that was averaging like 28 points a game, if they think it can be better, I'm all on board and like, you know, say what you want about bad quotes. I don't care if you're going to make this offense better than it was last year. That was like really, really good. Sign me up, dude. And, you know, we'll get to to the takeaways in a second here. But um, to me, it feels like they want to get away, not a hundred percent, but they want to move away from just being like a hard nose, ground and pound, punchy in the mouth between the tackles running team and kind of become this is not a great term, but kind of want to be more of a track team. And I think they want to blend the two styles together. You see teams like Miami and San Francisco have all the success that they have on offense. And they obviously play a very different style of offense. They've run the ball very differently than the Ravens run the ball. And that's okay. I think the Ravens just want to mix a little bit more of that into their offense, which honestly, like, I don't see how that's a bad thing. And there are different philosophies and it's going to change their approach to the draft and free agency, which we'll touch on here. But that was really the biggest thing that I took away from what Harbaugh said. And look, if you're going to, we, we talked about it after the AFC championship game. If you're going to give Lamar more opportunities to not have to be Superman, that is exactly what this team needs. And that frankly, that's what we're going to need if we're going to win a Super Bowl. So if that is how they're approaching this off season, I'm on board. And I think that's personally, I think that's the right way to, to go about it or one of the right ways, I should say. Um, but anyway, what do you make of that? How do you, how do you, how do you take, you know, what Harbaugh said? I think in
1: coaches speaking, people are going to get mad at me about this, but I think in a weird coaches speak, that's him taking accountability for, Hey, we weren't good enough. And mm-hmm. you can say what you want. best thing we ever saw all that other stuff. But at the end of the day, we simply weren't good enough. And we didn't, you know, execute the game plan as well as we should. However, maybe right. they are smart and they saw something better than we did. And the things would have worked. We just didn't execute. well. Enough. Um, and I also, I also, I also think they started to build around Lamar, but for the first four, five, six years, it it was just hey Lamar, go go be great. And I think it's kind Absolutely. of him taking accountability, and being like, okay, we can still, even though last year was great, we can still do a better job helping him out. Uh, which I'm okay with seeing. I'm okay with taking that. See, as far as changing the style of play, I I love Ravens football. I I have a vision of what I think Ravens football looks like, and is like I never want to get away from grounding and pounding and just shoving it mm-hmm. down someone's stroke. like. That is Ravens football. I love Billy Ball. That is Ravens football. Please keep being the bullies that you need to be. However, if you're gonna add a caveat to that and be more dynamic and like you know better and more efficient, then by all means go get the pieces to do it. John Harbaugh and Eric DeCosta build up enough capital where they can say, "Hey, this is great, we can be better." It, I'm gonna trust them to be better um, because they build up enough capital in my mind to do so. So that's what their plan is. They want to change things up, like, scheme-wise, and by all means, do it. We thought hiring Todd Munkin in his own blocking scheme is going to be a little bit different. And, like, people questioned that move when it happened. But it turns out that, hey, maybe the guys know what they're doing and what they're talking about. So I'm going to trust them during this process. Right. I don't exactly know. I don't want us to be a track team. I just don't think that's what football. I've said a lot of things about Miami as a team. Just I don't mm-hmm. think it's sustainable. Um, I just don't think it's sustainable football, especially yeah. when it gets yeah. cold. But if you mix in some of that with what you already have, San Francisco is not a bad comparison. I think we can have better athletes and better quarterback than San Francisco. So,
0: yeah, and like honestly, you, you know, San Francisco I think is maybe the most well-rounded offense in terms of being able to smack you in the mouth between the guards and and run in between the tackles, but also being able to spread you out and be a track team at times. I think the Ravens, as of right now, I think they have the pieces to do that at least the skill position, right? Like you have the most dynamic quarterback, maybe in the history of the NFL, you have Zay flowers who can make anybody on the planet miss in a phone booth. Um, You know, you bring back Nelson Aguilar, who was very good in his role. You have Rashad Bateman, who I still think is capable of being a number one in the NFL. You have a top two or a top three tight end in the NFL. You have another tight end who is probably a top seven or eight tight end in the NFL. Like you have pieces there, but where you lack, as of now is you don't have, you know, you don't have the Trent Williams or, you know, you don't have the interior offensive lineman. Obviously we have Linderbaum, and he's very good at this, but you don't have those explosive interior offensive linemen that can get out in space and hurt people, right? Like you, you just flat out don't have that John Simpson yeah. showed you flashes of that last year, but he just wasn't consistent enough. And I, I spoke very, very highly of John Simpson this year. I would not hate if we bring John Simpson back this year, but I also understand if they don't want to, for right. this reason, right? Like they, they need consistency and they need people to be athletic and explosive on the offensive line. That is, I think, yeah. where their philosophy going into this offseason is going to change a little bit, as it has from from what it was, you know, in previous years. But I, the way that I'm looking at it is, they're saying, okay, San Francisco was very. Similar to how we were made up, and they got to the Super Bowl. We did not. How can we get there? And I feel right. like that. I feel like they're going to try and take the approach of let's blend what we're really good at, which is smacking you in the mouth and running the ball down your throat, with spreading you out, running in small packages, also being able to throw the ball effectively and efficiently. Um, it's kind of similar to Miami as well. I think Miami has a lot of San Francisco DNA in their offense, obviously, because yeah. Mike McDaniel. So, anyway, that. That's kind of what I took away from what Harbaugh said. Um, I think DeCosta was a bit more transparent than at least I was expecting him to be. He he was you know very candid uh, when he addressed the media. Um, couple takeaways that I had from him, obviously, so Matabike will be staying in Baltimore, yeah. Whether that's on the franchise tag or on a new deal, um, I can't remember if we said it last week with Zach or not, but I'm hoping they take the approach that they did with Lamar, where they said. Yeah. They're saying, "Hey, we're gonna franchise tag you, but we have every intention on getting a long-term deal done." Right. The franchise tag is not good for us. It's not good for you. We're gonna franchise you, so we're the only ones negotiating with you, and let's work out a deal. I'm okay with that. Frankly, it sucks because that probably means you're for certain gonna lose Patrick Queen. Um, but as much as I love PQ, I think Justin Matabike is just more important. You know, yeah. we talked about we talked about it with Zach last week. He mentioned that Mina kind stressed the importance of keeping the spine. And that's honestly what it comes down to. So Matt yep. Abike will be in Baltimore. That's huge. Um, some other guys that Eric DaCosta addressed kind of head on. Um, Gino Stone, it sounds to me like he's gone too. Uh, DaCosta talked about how he's probably the best seventh-round pick we've ever had as an organization, which I think is true. Yeah. Um, he talked about how much he admires Gino and how much he respects him for being a grinder and you know starting as a guy who... Was cut, was brought back, played special teams, you know, worked his way onto the field and made the most of his opportunity. Um, that to me was him saying, Hey, look, we love you and we're very thankful for what you did for the organization, but you're gonna get paid by somebody else. And as much as that sucks, I love Gino, I'm a big fan of Geno Stone, he's earned it. And I'm I'm happy right. for him. He's gonna get an opportunity somewhere to be, you know, a starter and he he should. He deserves it. But right. it sounds like EDC is basically, you know, accepting the fact that Geno Stone is probably gone. Um, Odell Beckham was another one that he kind of addressed head on. He said he's been talking and texting with Odell lately. Um, he loves Odell. He basically said it without saying it. He's 50-50 on whether he'll be back or not. I personally would love Odell back. Everybody knows I'm a huge Odell fan. Right. Um, but I also think he brings a lot to the table. We yeah. have a very young team. We have young receivers, Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman naming a couple. Tylon Wallace is another one. Yeah um and also Odell I I say this all the time but it's it, it's a huge thing to me. Odell has a Super Bowl ring. Odell right. knows what it takes to be a part of a team that has won a Super Bowl. He knows what it looks like. And and you know that may sound trivial but I, I really do think that carries some weight in the NFL. Not not a lot of people have won Super Bowls. That's just that's just how the, that's just how the game goes. So right. if you have a guy in your locker room that has seen it and has done it I think that's big. So I want Odell back um but Basically, from what I gather from EDC, it's gonna have to be on a much friendlier team deal yeah. you can't be, you can't can't be paying him fifteen million again. you just can't no no um he also talked about the draft uh, he said that receiver depth in the draft is going to be a priority um but also stated that it didn't really say it explicitly, but basically said like it could be on any day and it's just gonna have to come down to how the draft shakes out. Which I'm okay with. Uh, I, I personally think that receiver on day one is very much on the table. Um, I think they could be sitting in a position drafting 30th where they're like, hey, we could trade out and get more picks. Or we could say, you know what? Let's just take the best receiver available. And hopefully he can step in and be a sufficient wide receiver three or wide receiver four on day one. Um and, you know, I, I think there's a lot of depth in the middle rounds, too. There are a lot of guys that I think EDC has his eyes on in rounds two through four. And I would not be surprised if we take a, at least one, if not two receivers in those rounds. Um, last thing that I saw that he addressed was the running back situation. And this one. Picked up all the headlines because it seems like the Ravens have been linked to every single free agent running back that is on the market. Um, He said a running back. Let me take that back. DeCosta said running the running back room will look different. Running backs are going to be acquired, whether that's in the draft or in free agency. He also, this is interesting. He also said that he believes the draft class for running backs is not as deep as many people think, which is was interesting to me. Um I'll get into it with my prospects at some point in the coming weeks or so. But I think there are a couple really good running back prospects. Um, obviously. You know, I'm not studying it like Eric Acosta is. But for him to say that he doesn't believe the running back class is deep compared to other people in a year where the free agent running back class is pretty good. I think that says a lot. Yeah. Um, And I'm interested to see how they approach free agency. Obviously, everybody's talking about Derrick Henry. Um, Saquon Barkley has also been thrown out there from time to time. Josh Jacobs is another one who's been thrown out there. Um, You and I have talked about that a little bit um i don't think we sign any one of those three players i think saquon's gonna get a huge payday from somebody because he's earned it and i think he's incredible yeah we just flat out can't afford that right um derrick henry i love but i worry about the fact that he's 32 years old and has a ton of miles on him yeah that's we talked about that last week it's a lot of right like he that's a heavy 32 miles like that's a lot of miles on him and Also, like I think it was Bleacher Report put out an article that said they're predicting a two-year, twenty million dollar deal with like thirteen guaranteed. If I'm the Ravens, I don't know if I want to pay that. Like, I'd rather allocate those funds somewhere else, just flat out.
1: Do you really? Do you really think it's sitting here to tell me that Derrick Henry does a better job than what Gus Edwards does at like for us last year?
0: I don't think the difference is is the difference Worse in the contract. I'll tell you right. that much. Like right. Derrick Henry, I think he's undoubtedly a better running back than Gus Edwards. That's not what I'm saying here. Yeah. I'm just saying I I don't think the difference in production that we get from Derrick Henry compared to Gus Edwards is worth that much of a premium that we'd pay. Correct. So that one, that one is if Derrick Henry wants to sign for, you know, $5 million. Sure. I'm all in. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know about giving him 13 guaranteed over two years. I just don't. No,
1: absolutely not. And like, I mean, we still have two really good running backs. I'm not saying there's, these are the answers, but we still have two really good running backs side to Keith Mitchell win. Yeah. He'll be healthy and come back soon, hopefully. Um, we'll, we don't know the time table for his injury, but like, assuming he comes back and even just a fraction of what he was last year, that's, that's awesome, They can stay healthy. And Justice Hill is not a terrible football player. He was right. probably one of the most promising backs and won us a couple of games. It was some unsung heroes for a lot of games last year. Granted, I would like, like to have a proven vet in there. I, I would also like to bring Gus back. But I don't want to overpay for running back when could – let me put it this way. I'd rather pay the $20 million for Mike Evans than Derrick Henry.
0: I 100% agree. Now, I, I do think Mike Evans goes back to Tampa. I saw a headline that said they're trying to work on a, a massive deal for him that he can retire as a buck. Or he wants to retire as a buck, which kind of sucks, but makes yeah. sense. Um, the, the Colts told Michael Pittman that he's going to be franchise tag, so he's another guy off the board. Uh, T. Higgins is going to be franchise tagged. That's another one off the board. That sucks for uh, us. I thought uh, he was yeah, gone.
1: I was about to, I was about to dance one in their grave because he was. Well,
0: Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon are both gone, so that's a bit of a consolation prize for us.
1: I, I'll um, take it.
0: Yeah, I'll take it. Um, but anyway, I think uh, I think the running back situation is really interesting. I was talking to some of my buddies about this the other day. Um, I don't think we sign any of the top three running backs. I don't think it's going to be Derrick Henry. I don't think it's going to be – it's obviously not going to be Saquon Barkley. Um, and I don't think it's going to be Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs, I think, is the one that interests me the most yeah. um, because I think Josh Jacobs is more effective than any of our running backs in the past game. Yeah. He can catch the ball really well. Not that Justice can't. I just think Jacobs is better. Um, and Jacobs can play all three downs, which I think is very important. Nice. Um so, I think Jacobs is the one that interests me the most, and probably the one that I'd be a little bit more willing to give more money to. Um, but I feel like Jacobs is kind of in a similar boat that Saquon is. Like somebody's gonna give him a a big bag that we just can't afford. Right. Um, but anyway, I think the most likely situation for our running back room is we sign one of Zach Moss, Antonio Gibson, or Gus Edwards. I think we sign one of those three free agents. And I think we draft somebody in the fifth round. That's just how, because at that point, right? If you sign one of those three free agents to a, say, two or three year deal. That's your, you know, mid to long-term answer, who hopefully is going to be a contributor. You still have Justice Hill for this year. You have Keaton for another two years. You're not rushing him to come back from his injury. You give him enough time to get healthy and get right. And if you draft somebody that's three, four years off the bat as well with hopefully somebody who's young and has fresh legs. So that's personally how I see them addressing the position. Zach Moss, Antonio Gibson, or Gus Edwards. One of those three guys, it's not going to be a huge contract by any means. It's going to be a very manageable contract. You're not going to have to break the bank for a running back, but also you're getting the production you need. So, Personally, like I said, I would be completely fine with signing Derrick Henry if he's if he'll take a you know two year nine million dollar deal. I just don't see him doing that. Um, so that's that's kind of that's kind of how I took the whole running back conversation.
1: Yeah, no, same here. I um I agree with you. And if there's any of one of three of Jacobs, I'm not sorry, not Jacobs, but um Gus. Uh, who Ooh. else would you say? I'm sorry. Uh,
0: Antonio Gibson and Zach Gibson. Wilson. I'm taking Gus every day i so, I
1: just am. Yeah. I know he's probably older, but like he knows the system. You know what he can do here. I'm taking Gus Edwards, and maybe we do get someone in the draft. But I, I do think a running back group could be improved. But I don't think he needs a huge name.
0: So, I agree. I agree. And as much as it sucks, we talked about it throughout the season. Running back is just flat out not a position that you have to make a premium anymore. You right. can, you can find guys in the draft late rounds that will make an impact on your team. Right. We saw it with Keaton Mitchell. He was an undrafted free agent. And he for those, you know, four or five weeks, he was one of the best running backs in the NFL. So uh, that's just unfortunately where the the position is going. So I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm not expecting us to sign a super big name at that position, but we'll see. Um, Outside of running back, uh, there were a couple other position groups that I get the feeling that Eric DeCasa is looking at. So obviously running back is one of them. Wide receivers, another one. Like I said, they're definitely going to address the depth of the wide receiver room in the draft. Uh, Eric Takasa has been very committed to drafting receivers since he has taken the helm as, as the GM. Um, his first draft, he had Hollywood and he had uh, Miles Boykin. He drafted Tyland Wallace the year following. He had James Prochet, obviously Rashad Bateman, Benze Flowers. He's been very committed to Duvernay. drafting Devin Duvernay. Yep, completely forgot about that. He's been very committed to drafting receivers and trying to get the right guys in the building. Um, And what I think is very interesting about this year's draft class, particularly with receivers, is there's a lot of guys who don't necessarily fit the same mold that our receivers tend to have. I think there's a lot of really good guys. It may be a little bit top heavy, but I think there's a lot of guys in this draft that are big frames, big bodies, can win one-on-ones on the outside, can go up and get the ball. They can high point it, right? Like I think there are a couple names that I'll throw out here in a second that would not surprise me if Eric DeCosta is trying to target on day one and day two. Um, and, and honestly, like I think that's what we've been missing. Like how often have Ravens fans said if we could get Lamar somebody like Anquan Bolden, that's exactly what we need. We need a big body that can go up and win on the outside. Yep. And I think that I think there's a few of those guys in this draft class. Um, Anyway, outside of those three positions or excuse me, those two positions, O-line, like we said, O-line is going to be rebuilt. I think rebuilt is a really interesting word that he used. um, And that goes back to the whole conversation of being more explosive on the offensive line. Um, The last position group that I kind of took a hint at from these two guys was uh, the fact that we're probably going to need to do some work on the defensive backs. And honestly, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Brandon Stevens. We talked to him up all year last year. Brandon Stevens had an unbelievable season. Marlon Humphrey struggled with his health, but when he was on the field played very well. Right. And you, you had key contributors that you signed to one year deals in Ronald Darby and Arthur yeah. Um, I think one of those guys is back personally. I I think it's going to be Ronald Darby just because Ronald Darby can play on the outside. Um, yeah. I would love Arthur Millette to come back because he played so well in the nickel, but you know, you have guys like Jalen Armour Davis and uh, Pepe Williams that can play that position. So I think they're going to try and prioritize, and our Darius Washington too. Our who- yeah. Darius Washington had a really good start to the season before he got hurt. So right. I-, I think that's how they address the nickel. I think Ronald Darby just having that production on the outside is going to be what they prioritize. Um, but anyway, it, I, I think DB is definitely going to be a, an area of, not concern, but just something that they monitor and, and look to improve on as well.
1: It's something I'm concerned about because they played so well last year in the system everything. I don't think the system – we talked about it last week, Zach. Exactly. I don't think the system changes too much. Yeah. But having the right guys in that system will change everything. I I hope we keep Darby. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I would to also keep the let. I don't think that's going to happen. I haven't seen enough of Armand Davis and Pepe Williams to really – have full on confidence in not saying they can't do well. Yeah. I I simply in year two or three don't know what they have. So mm-hmm. I would like to get more depth. I I really want Darby back. I really want Washington back. I I would love that Washington back as well. Oh. Um,
0: yeah, I forgot but, he's a free agent. I I think we'll probably end up re-signing him though. He's a guy who I could see us keeping. Hopefully,
1: listen. Hopefully, because I think that depth is huge for the way that our defense plays, especially the quarterbacks we got to go up against. So. Yep. I, I would love to see Ronald Darby back in the Ravens uniform. He was a really fun player. watch.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, so we were originally going to run through some of our uh, Ravens free agents and where we think they're going to land. Uh, I think we're going to save that for next week. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll take all the talk from the combine. We'll roll that into next week and, and we'll start looking ahead to free agency there. Um, however, before we get out of here, I've been mentioning it. I talked about it on Twitter a little bit the other day. I have, like I said, I've not completely dived into the draft prospects and, and all that yet. Mm-hmm. I do have some guys that if, like I said, if you're listening to this on Thursday draft, is starting, or excuse me, combine is starting today. I have some guys to keep your eye out for. These are guys that I either think I want in Baltimore, or I just think are going to be really good and really fun to watch pros. Um, and I'll get into my reasons why, but just after my first sort of like overlook at the combine prospects. Here are some guys that I have my eyes on first guy, cornerback out of Clemson, Nate Wiggins. I don't know if you know anything about him, Josh, this kid is a freak of nature. I have a really good friend of mine. Who's a personal trainer. He was just down in Florida for the whole month of January training cornerbacks and wide receivers that are getting ready for the draft. Nate Wiggins was one of them. He said, Nate Wiggins is that guy who just wakes up and goes outside and runs a four, two like naturally gifted, never had to like really work to be that good. Just is that good. There were clips going around on Twitter. I think today actually of his highlights from the UNC game. Anybody who wants to see Nate Wiggins play uh, football, go back and watch Clemson versus UNC this year. There were multiple plays where he was just absolutely dominating them just from purely being athletic. He is a guy who I think right now he's being projected like, early mid twenties. He's going to put on a show at the combine after this week. He's going to shoot up draft boards. I I really do believe he's going to go in the top 15. Like that's, that's how much I believe in this kid. Nate Wiggins, first guy to look out for second guy to look out for. This is a a guy who I really want in Baltimore badly. Adonai Mitchell wide receiver from Texas. We were talking about big frame, big body can go up and high point and win on the outside. This guy fits that to a T. He had, I think he had two touchdowns against Washington in the semifinal. He is like 6'4", 6'5", like 230, has a long-ass wingspan, really good hands, big 12 receiver, which worries me a little bit. But this guy has incredible upside. I was listening to Steve Smith Sr. talk about his receivers, and as we know, a couple years ago, he said Cooper Cup was the best receiver in that class. Turns out he was right. Last year, he was talking up Zay Flowers about how good he was. I think he was pretty pretty right. He was pretty pretty on with that one. He said Adonai Mitchell has one of the highest ceilings of this year's receiver class. Adonai Mitchell, wide receiver from Texas. Remember that name. Keep an eye on him this week. He is going to have a very good combine, I think. Another receiver from the ACC, UNC, Tez Walker. Yes. You know this guy.
1: I know this guy. Pretty good.
0: Yeah. So his story kind of, yeah, his story kind of took off a little bit. He had, you know, he was, eligibility issues with the ncaa because he transferred for a couple different reasons they ended up letting him play and when he was on the field for unc he had a very good season um i've seen some projections late first round early second round um he's a guy where i've i I don't know him personally obviously but i've heard from all accounts he's a very good human uh really like lovely guy i could see him if he has a good performance at the combine i could see him really doing well in interviews and Improving his draft stock that way, but he's a guy where I kind of go back and forth with maybe wanting him on the uh, on the Ravens. He can play in the slot. He can win up top. He can take the top off of defense. I, uh, I think he's a really interesting prospect. Uh, definitely one that I'm going to be keeping my eyes on over the next couple of weeks. Jeremiah Polk. Some people know this guy. Some people don't wide receiver out of Washington. He was on the opposite side of Roma Dunze. Roma Dunze is very good. Don't get me wrong. I think Roman Dunze is the number two receiver in this class. Um, it kind of sh- overshadows what Jeremiah Polk did last year for Washington. He was another guy that was down in Florida training with my buddy. I, uh, I, this is a guy where on day two, maybe second or third round, if he's still there within a couple picks of the Ravens, trade up and get this guy because big frame, outside receiver, wins one-on-ones, really good hands, really good route runner. Um, I, I think this guy could mess around and find himself getting drafted in the first round when it's all said and done, but if he's still there on day two, he's definitely a guy I would love to see in purple and black. Uh, so Jeremiah Polk, keep your eye out for him as well. Cooper Dejean is maybe one of my favorite prospects in this draft. Um, he, uh, he kind of got caught fire a little bit because when the whole Richard Mendenhall, Will Compton white team versus black team was going around. Yeah. He's a white corner from Iowa and this kid, I've, I've watched some tape on him. He is fun to watch, man. He flies around and he can play lockdown on the outside. Uh, I know cornerback is not the top priority for the Ravens necessarily, but if he's there at 30, man, I am running that draft card in, I would love Cooper DeGene in Baltimore, but nevertheless, I think he's going to be a really good pro. I think he's going to be really, really good in the NFL. Just very technical, very sound, no wasted movements. He's very good at closing on the ball. He, He reads breaks really well. Um, I'm uh, really interested in Cooper DeGene. Another cornerback who I've seen all over projections that I would love in in Baltimore, Kool Aid McKinstry from Alabama. Yeah, yep. really good, really athletic. I've seen him anywhere from like 15 to falling out of the first round. Um, I think, I mean, he's a he's a cornerback that played for Nick Saban. What else do you need to know? I think he's going right. to be really, really good. He's really athletic, really talented. I think he's going to be a very good pro. I think he's also capable of putting on a show at the combine. So look out for him. Um, Last guy I I have my eye on from a cornerback position, Quinion Mitchell, cornerback out of Toledo. Um, Shout out to the Mac. We love Maction.
1: Yep. They just got UMass this week announced for 2025.
0: Hell yeah. We love that. Um, Quinion Mitchell. I was reading up on him. Apparently he has like, all of the measurables of being a great corner. Apparently he flies. He runs like a four, three. Uh, he's got a long wingspan. He's very lanky body type, kind of similar to Jalen Ramsey, where he's like, he's tall. He's got long arms and he's very athletic. Um, he's just, he didn't go to the name brand school, right? He went, he went to Toledo. He's a Mac guy, but I think it was Daniel Jeremiah was talking about. He might be the best cornerback in this class just because of how physically gifted he is. So he is uh he's a guy that, I could honestly – I could see this week being very good for him as well. Uh, last guy that I have written down here, not a very fun one compared to the other ones, but offensive tackle from Oregon State, Tyleese Fuaga. I probably messed that name up so bad. But one thing that stands out about him in regards to what the Ravens need is Oregon State was a very run-heavy team. Yes. All Oregon State did was pound the football last year. Yep. Um, They were very mm-hmm. good in the trenches. They were very good up front offensively. I Going back to what we were talking about with the Ravens' offensive line, being explosive, being athletic, being able to get out in space, that's exactly what this guy does. And I've only watched a little bit of tape on him, but I think if he falls a little bit and he's sitting around there in the mid 20s, I could see the Ravens maybe going up to get him just to, you know, put some pressure on Ronnie Stanley and Morgan Moses and, and have that sort of offensive lineman there. And I, I honestly think that, like, if you go get a guy like him, you can let him you know, not need to be a starter right away, which is a good thing. So Tyrese Fuaga, he's another guy that I, I, I personally have my eye on. I will have more guys that, you know, pique my interest, especially after the combine this week. But those are just the, uh, the start of my, uh, my dipping my toes into the NFL draft. But anyway, I love the draft. I love the combine. We're coming up pretty soon. Um, Josh, you have anything else you wanted to touch on? I was going to
1: mention a receiver, but I realized he wasn't coming out this draft, but I guess I'll just mention someone to look out for for college yeah, this year. Tess Johnson from Oregon. I okay. got to see him this year in the Fiesta Bowl. That kid is fast. He can sit down in the zone, and he can take off. That kid's going to be a really good player next year at Oregon. and future years in the NFL. That kid deserves to play on Sundays. Another guy that I was thinking about, I can't remember this dude's name at all. He was a receiver from Michigan State to transferred to Florida State. I think he's coming out this year.
0: Uh, um, Keon Coleman.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I, I like yeah. him a lot. And the only reason I think he's not higher on people's draft boards is because he was a little inconsistent. Um, I think he struggled with maybe dropping the ball here or there. Nope. Which... I don't want him. Sorry. I, I heard <laughs> struggles with drops and I just heard of no. Nope. He might be good. Maybe not for us. He is very good though. And he's got a great, like he's got a very good body frame. I think he's like six, three, six, four. He's big. Um, yeah, he's definitely an interesting one to me. I he's he's a guy that I genuinely want to watch at the combine and see how he moves, yeah. because I, he's a he's a question mark for me. But I I like Keon Coleman a lot.
1: Yeah, I, I sorry I heard big body and like has with dropping the ball. I remember he went to Florida <laughs> school and I got just flashbacks to Bishop Sharp, who had a <laughs> yeah, who had a great who's having a great NFL career post Ravens. It's crazy how that works.
0: Yeah, uh, which like genuinely pisses me off a little bit.
1: Yeah, like how did you become good all of a sudden? Like, I know you put in the work. You were a nice person. Like, you did everything right. But how dare you not work out for the four years that we needed you?
0: To? Yeah why why not us, Brashad?
1: Basically, <laughs> but no, I'm, I think I
0: say all this is actually happy for Perriman. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, no, me too. Yeah, me too. sorry.
1: But like, yeah, I I I haven't gotten too deep into woods yet. I'll probably throw it on at work or
0: something like that tomorrow.
1: Yeah, um, it's always fun to watch, but it's early.
0: Yeah. Uh, another guy, you mentioned Oregon. Uh, another guy that I forgot to write down on my list, Kyrie Jackson. Uh, he's a cornerback slash safety, yeah. defensive back. I don't know what he's coming out as. Uh, I watched him in a game, not this past season, but the year before. Forget who they were playing, but he had, like, an unbelievable game. Was making tackles all over the field. Had a couple PBUs. I think he might have even had an interception in the game that I watched. And I was, like, raven. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Kyrie Jackson. Add him to the list. I love that kid. Um, But yeah, man, I uh, I'm like I said, I'm excited for the draft. I love the draft. The combine should be fun. Um, Also, like there's always some shit that comes out from the combine, whether it's trade talks, whether it's, you know, people working deals, what have you. So hopefully we'll have some more to talk about over the next coming weeks. But as for right now, I think that's all we got for this week. You got anything else you want to say before we wrap up?
1: No, just enjoy the combine. Crack, o- crack open a soda to, if you're max, and uh, you know, enjoy your time.
0: <laughs> Don't forget, guys. Max had two sodas.
1: Max had two two sodas. Was <laughs> listening to techno and farting all over a plane.
0: <laughs> oh goodness gracious! All right, y'all. Uh, I think we can put a bow on that episode ninety four in the books. Um, make sure you follow us. We're going to be putting out a lot of content as we have been over the last couple weeks. Um, we are going to have some more guests during the NFL off season. We're going to be talking baseball. Once baseball gets up and running, we're going to be talking some golf. Once golf picks up, we got, uh, we're right around the corner from major season. We got the masters in, I think like a month and a half. So buckle up. Um, I'm also going to be playing golf. Scoot and I have been talking about maybe do some golf content that we'll put out on social medias. We got a lot in the books or a lot that we're hopefully going to be putting in the books. I'll say we're cooking up some stuff. But, anyways, don't forget to follow us. Uh, follow the Wave Pod SD on Instagram and Twitter. Josh, what's your uh, Instagram and Twitter handles?
1: Yeah, JJSHBK320. Uh, don't ask me why I made it that. I was like twelve, but JJSHBK20.
0: <laughs> there you go, JJSB, JJSHBK320. Hopefully, I got that right.
1: Yep, you um, got it perfect.
0: Mine are at the Real D Twitter and Instagram. Give me a follow. I uh, I just like to be yapping on Twitter. Some sometimes, as most of you know. Um, but yeah, we're going to be doing a lot of fun stuff in the NFL offseason. A lot of, uh, a lot of good talking points that I've sourced from a lot of you guys. Thank you for anybody who's chimed in and given us some source material for off conversations. Um, we love you all. Hope you have a great weekend. Everybody be safe. If you're doing anything fun, have fun, be careful. Um, until next week, we'll see y'all later. Peace. I'm on top of the world when I
1: call you my girl, my heart's racing